Welcome to the Bold Empathy Project podcast. I'm Brian Walden Pope, serial parallel entrepreneur, strategist, and creator of the Bold Empathy Framework. Today I'm going to share a story with you. It's a simple story. So simple, in fact, you may have a tendency to overlook the full value it has to offer. Please don't make that mistake. This story encapsulates five of the most important lessons I've ever learned. It happened very early on in my business experience, back in the early 70s, and while that may make it seem old and perhaps irrelevant, I believe you'll agree by the time I'm finished sharing the insights I gained from the missteps I'm going to share that what I discovered are timeless truths that will always serve savvy people well. Now, two quick things before we begin. First, I'm borrowing the majority of this episode from a script I wrote in 2010 for a studio production of the telling of this event, so it may sound a bit more audiobook than conversational podcast like most of my episodes. Secondly, while this account specifically relates to a business experience, the principles here apply everywhere. As parents interacting with children, teachers and counselors guiding students, civic leaders seeking the best interest of the citizens we serve, and just about every other human interaction, what you discover here can help eliminate the disconnect that happens far too often when we make assumptions about our audiences. Let me begin by asking a question. How smart are you? Smart enough to know what your audience wants? And how do you know? Is it because you think you have your prospects and clients figured out? Is it because you're a good observer? Or do you have this knowledge from a completely reliable source? If you've listened to much of my material, you know I grew up working with my entrepreneurial father. While he worked some stints as an employee in the automotive and industrial manufacturing worlds, he was, for the majority of his working life, his own boss. But he wasn't just a business owner. He saw and monetized opportunities regularly, making him a true entrepreneur. I share this as a prelude because even as successful as he was, he too went through his learning curves and struck out here and there, something that happens to everyone who throws a hat into the ring of entrepreneurship. The lessons I learned that I'm going to share with you today were from one of those strikeouts. We've all been told repeatedly we don't have to reinvent the wheel, that we can learn from others' mistakes. Here's our opportunity to do just that. Thank you, Dad, for making this mistake so the rest of us can avoid it. In the late 60s and through the 70s, my father was well-known in our community as the owner of multiple automotive service stations. He ran sharp operations. His shops were clean and well-kept, as were his employees. Service was priority one. And just as he expected his employees to serve the station's clients, he served his employees, treating them well and helping them meet the high standards he had set. Along with his stringent business requirements, Dad also liked to have fun with his employees and clients. He did things other service station owners didn't do. I remember promotions of many kinds. As just one example, I remember him bringing in hundreds upon hundreds of air filters of every description and having an air filter blowout sale. He sold air filters to the public for less than most garages were buying them wholesale. This promotion went on for a couple of action-packed weeks, then it was gone. 
The slim profits on the filters were given to employees who sold them, with additional prizes being given to the employees who sold the most filters. The promotion was a great success that created excitement, traffic, and additional sales of fuel and shop services as planned. He also threw summer parties at his stations with prizes, free fountain drinks, helium balloons for the kids, and other fun and games. He had one promotion or another going multiple times a year. Although Dad never considered himself to be a marketer, he got it. He engaged his clients, and they reciprocated with loyalty. This was true in the many other businesses he owned over the years as well. But among all those successes, there's one promotion that stands out. One that failed horribly. It's the story of that promotion I wish to tell you today. The lessons taught by this failure have far-reaching application. Here's what happened. One year in the early 70s, Dad decided he wanted to do something really spectacular for Mother's Day weekend. Something no one else had done. Something so exciting he wouldn't even have to advertise it because the buzz it would create would carry the promotion. He succeeded. He sourced gorgeous live orchids and had them flown in fresh from out of state the Friday before Mother's Day. He put the orchids out by the pump islands on display at his flagship service station that was on the corner of the intersection of the two busiest roads in our hometown. As you might imagine, it didn't take long for passersby to see other motorists leaving our service station with these beautiful orchids, and curiosity brought them in. The deal was simple. Fill your car up with gas and get a fresh orchid free. Needless to say, there were plenty of people who had never purchased anything at our station before who got in on the deal. But that was just the beginning. Before the morning was over, something interesting and totally unexpected happened. People who had filled up their car and received their complimentary orchid were back with yet another car to fill so they could get a second orchid. This fun, simple promotion had clearly struck a chord with our audience. I even recall one gentleman coming in with a car I had never seen before. Upon inquiring as to whether he had got a new car, he replied that he hadn't. He had just asked his neighbor if he could help them out by getting their car fueled for them for the weekend. Now that's motivation. By Friday afternoon, it was apparent that we had a problem. The supply of orchids Dad had flown in would be gone long before the Mother's Day weekend promotion ended. So he made a call and had more flown in for Saturday. And it's good he did. This promotion that had taken off on Friday with no advertising other than the spectacle created on this busy corner of town and some active word of mouth became nothing short of a phenomenon on Saturday. I can still see in my mind's eye the line of cars, their owners waiting for their opportunity to get a free orchid. I recall the happy faces of our patrons as they were handed their orchids. I remember the comments, most of which revolved around how delighted a mother, wife, or grandmother would be to get the fragrant flower. Perhaps most poignant in this entire scene as I relive it in retrospect is the activity of busy island attendants checking oil levels and tire pressure, washing windshields, and offering whatever other services might be helpful to our clients. I sincerely miss the days of the full-service station and all I gleaned from my years working the pump islands. As the sun set on that overwhelmingly busy Saturday, a sense of accomplishment was shared among the employees. I remember Dad's excitement over the success of the promotion, both in terms of sales volume and client satisfaction. 
he had stepped outside the norm and he had hit a major home run. Chalk up another success for Stan Pope and company. The rest of that year passed as normal, as far as I recall. Other promotions were engaged with the kind of success they had previously brought. Client loyalty remained high. I was sent regularly to one of the two burger shops nearby to get lunch for the employees, paid for by whoever lost the coin flip, although it seems Dad lost more often than statistics would dictate. I've wondered about that one at times. We were like a big family. We enjoyed our jobs, and we loved our clients. The next spring rolled around, and Mother's Day was approaching. We were ready to relive the excitement and success of the Mother's Day weekend orchid promotion, but it wasn't to be. This is where the story begins to take a turn. You see, my father was the kind of guy who liked to spend his money on things that would last, things that looked good, things of quality. So combining this attribute with thoughts of mothers and what they might like, Dad came up with what he thought was a brilliant idea. The aha moment must have gone something like this in his head. If people will wait in line and come back again and again for something like an orchid that dies in just a few days, how much more excited would they be to get something that will last a lifetime? Something like high-grade stainless steel sewing needles with gold tips. Now, let me pause here and say that if you're a woman, you've already fast-forwarded to the end of this story. You know what happens. But for the sake of the men listening, allow me to finish. And so it was. Dad found the nicest-looking set of needles I have ever seen. They came in a little folder made of heavyweight coverstock paper with a leather-like texture finish. The word needles in a most distinctive script graced the front cover along with some enticing calligraphic artwork. When opened, the little folder exposed an impressive array of sewing needles. On the left was a small black packet with the traditional red, gold, and black Dick's and Rand's label, exclaiming the contents to be the best quality, high-grade sharps. When the flap was lifted, ten or so small gold-tipped needles were displayed, their shining perfection contrasted against the jet-black jacket. On the right side of the folder's interior were seven more large needles presented against a shimmering embossed gold foil carrier that kept them snugly in place. Truly an impressive display, regardless of one's interest in or familiarity with sewing needles. On the back was the clever phrase, A stitch in time saves nine. Preventative maintenance saves you money. Along with the name of Dad's service station. Dad was proud of this seemingly innovative giveaway, and he had every right to be. This was quite a nice gift to receive for nothing more than filling up one's gas tank. Then came the time for the promotion. The Friday before Mother's Day, people came in to fuel their cars with anticipation, but their excitement turned to discouragement when they didn't see tall tins filled with fresh orchids. Instead, they saw nothing but the same station that stood on that spot every other day of the year. Some stopped in and inquired about the orchids. Most were less than excited about the needles. Of course, there were many others who didn't come in at all. Why would they? There wasn't anything going on to attract attention or build curiosity. The little needle packets were tidily stored in a box by the attendant stand, ready to be handed out, but in no position to create awareness that there was anything special going on at all. Of course, there were still those who needed fuel and frequented our place anyway. 
Those people still came in to buy gas and were offered their free Mother's Day gift when they filled up. Some accepted their needles with a kind smile, many with indifference. There were even those who looked at them and declined accepting them altogether. The recollection that sticks in my head, though, is the recurring query heard over and over that weekend. That's nice, but where are the orchids? The needle promotion was a dismal flop. One might even argue that more damage was done than if there had been no gift offered at all. As testimony to the failure of this would-be event, and as a reminder that lived with us long after the failed event, there were cases and cases of these needles in one of my mother's sewing room cupboards for the next few decades. We gave the needles out to women's groups. We used them for various local school activities and fundraisers. Finally, some 30 years after that memorable weekend, we contributed the remaining cases to a humanitarian effort for inclusion in sewing kits to go to third world countries. There are just a few remaining packets floating around among the family. I've told this story to many workshop groups over the years. Every time I tell it, I feel a mixture of emotions. The event was agonizing and discouraging as it unfolded. We can all undoubtedly empathize with my father and what he must have felt as the weekend took place. It's also a funny story. Every one of us can step back and exclaim, What was he thinking? Needles aren't exciting. What woman wants needles for a Mother's Day gift? It's really quite like giving your wife or mother a pot scrubber or dustpan, isn't it? Clearly, as evidenced by the outcome of the promotion, this was not something that engaged our audience at the service station, the major purpose of the whole pursuit to begin with. So, what lessons can we learn from this faux pas? I learned at least five, which I'd like to share with you today. The one I learned initially, and I believe my father learned as well, is that we are not our audience. Quite often, following this debacle, Dad would share his idea on a proposed effort, then, referring to the great needle fiasco, he'd say, But don't ask me. I don't value the same things other people do. What does our audience want? What do they value? So, lesson number one is this. We are not our audience. The second lesson I learned is to ask clients and prospects what they want. This can be done formally or in casual conversation. I've found most often we get the most meaningful information and insights from informal conversation. This is when people are being themselves and sharing their true feelings. Lesson number two, then, is ask our clients and prospects what they want. This lesson ties closely into the third lesson I learned, which is to listen and observe. Try to remain in a frame of mind always to pick up on what a given audience is communicating, whether or not they are doing it intentionally. Listening beyond what is being said and observing actions that tell true feelings can help us more fully meet our clients' wants and needs. So that's lesson number three, listen and observe. Lesson number four is one that is difficult for many of us who own businesses because we know we're smart. We were smart enough to see an opportunity. We were smart enough to turn what we saw into a business. We're smart enough to do whatever we do in such a way that people have been willing to pay us for it. Now, the question is this. Are we smart enough to overcome our egos and do what our clients and prospects want us to do? If we are, we'll win. 
If we aren't, the journey will be much more difficult, although winning is still possible. I will attest that success is more readily attainable when lesson number four is observed. Again, that lesson, set our egos and own desires aside. This leads us right into lesson five. Act according to our findings. If we have, in fact, set our egos aside, and our real desire is to meet the requests, demands, wants, and needs of our audience, our travels and destinations will be much more pleasant and rewarding. There's no purpose in working to discover what our prospects and clients are seeking if we're going to do things our own way despite what we've found. We're in business to make money. Sure, we enjoy what we do and want to provide people with good value, but chances are most of us wouldn't be doing what we're doing in business if we didn't have a need to make money. The best way I've found to make money is to give people exactly what they want. We find out what that is, then we act according to our findings. These are five lessons I learned from this Orchids and Needles experience. Surely there are more. What did you pick up on that differs from my insights? What has your experience taught you that can add to what I've shared? As we practice bold empathy by stepping into other people's worlds and staying there, we and they discover what they truly want. Often this isn't even what they thought it was. We both become clear on why, when, and how they want the solution delivered. If there's a better solution, we discover it together. We don't have to guess what other people want, and we won't arrive at misdirected solutions by simply asking others what they want, then acting on it. Without a deeper look, we may both be chasing the wrong target. We need to drill down, get to the core of the matter, discover what's behind the seemingly apparent answers and solutions so we're addressing real core needs and desires. A few simple conversations to this effect with some of the clients at our service station would have led my father to understand the reasons behind our audience's desire for the orchids. Was it because it was different? Did they like surprising the women in their lives with the flowers when they arrived home? Maybe they enjoyed not having to spend additional money on flowers for Mother's Day. Or perhaps it reminded them of a good memory from their past. Would the orchids have been a hit year after year? Or would their novelty have worn off at some point? Was there something that would have thrilled them even more than the orchids? Unfortunately, these and many other questions will never be answered, because we didn't ask. Had we been equipped with the Bold Empathy Framework back then, not only could we have avoided this misstep, we may have even found stronger loyalty-building vehicles to employ. For this case, at least, it's a moot point water under the bridge. What we learned, however, has and can continue to benefit us long into the future. And one last question you may have on your mind I've yet to answer. Did we go back to giving away orchids again the next year? No, we didn't. I think the dismal performance of the Needles promotion was enough of a blow to my father that he gave up on a Mother's Day promotion altogether. There's one more good lesson here. We shouldn't let our pride get in the way of our success. We're all going to be wrong at times, in business, personal relationships, family matters, community affairs, and more. Learning to get past our own feelings and see bigger pictures helps us to not be offended or discouraged. We all misstep. So what? Learn from those missteps. 
redirect, and keep moving. That's the only way we progress, and we are all in that boat together. There's no shame in it. If you like what you've heard today, will you consider rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts? We really appreciate it. This helps others more readily find the podcast and aids us greatly in meeting our goal of flooding the world with these worthwhile messages. Thank you. Now, finally, a point to ponder. In which facets of your life are you guilty of assuming you know what your audience wants and acting on it without being sure you're fully tuned in? It may be a spouse or child, a coworker or team member, a neighbor, or maybe a prospect or client. Take a moment to step back. Consider what you're doing in the name of offering the solution you believe they want. Is it really what they are looking for? Or have you filtered the situation through your own values, experiences, and vision to the point you're missing the mark? A sincere conversation with the other party can answer these questions for you. You may find an opportunity to save some time and resources and better hit the target that is going to thrill your audience. It's all possible with bold empathy. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, discover more at boldempathy.com and remember to follow us on your favorite social media platforms.